Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I want you to share with my people how to overcome and how to win the war. So I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this word. And I thank you that it's such a privilege to serve you, God, and that you triumphed on the cross so that we could win in every area of life. And I thank you, Lord, that today will be about breakthrough, that it will be about breakthrough of longstanding illnesses, longstanding mental illnesses, that deliverance will take place in this place today in the name of Jesus. And so the reason I started thinking about how to win the war is because we've been in a bit of a battle ourselves the last few weeks. It's, have you, do you ever have days where you're just like, everything just seems to be going wrong, but it's sort of low level, so you put up with it, you know? It's like you're just running around in circles or you've got like that day off and it's awesome and then everything goes wrong and you've got to fix the car or you've got to get something repaired or something's going on. So we had two weeks like that where it just felt like every day we were running around in circles until eventually last Saturday I just went this isn't the way we're supposed to live this is not reigning in life and the Lord said to me what often tends to happen with spiritual warfare you know if a Ouija board appeared in front of you you'd go that's witchcraft right but low level warfare we put up with it Low-level warfare that kind of just sits like this, just under the, under the radar. And it's how the enemy binds us. And so here's some examples of what low-level warfare looks like. You can't think straight. You keep making mistakes. Lack of motivation for things that, things that formerly got you excited. You're emotionally drained. You feel like you, can do, you can't do anything to fix a certain situation, you feel helpless, helpless, constant tension with specific relationships, maybe backbiting or gossip that's about you that's not true, or it can manifest in your body, low-level headaches that just happen every day or that little cough that you have. And, you know, as I was praying, the Lord said to me, Roma, that's low-level warfare and you need to fight it just as much as you would that big, scary thing that comes, pops up every now and then. And so he just said, I'm going to show you how to win the war. And I want to share with you some of those things that the Lord has been revealing to me. And this, I've never preached this before. It'll probably be a lot of things that you know, but I just felt the Lord said, going back to the word and sharing how to overcome is going to bring a real victory today. And then we're going to have a time where we're going to see the Lord set you free from so many things. I don't care how long you've been struggling with that thing in your life or that person or that person that you're praying for. I am believing today is going to be a stake in the ground and that the Lord is going to bring freedom and deliverance in Jesus' name. So I want to share today where the battles fought, the weapons that the enemy uses and the weapons that you can use. So before we do that, we have to recognise that this is not a physical war. This is a spiritual war. And I think we know that, but how often do we try to fix things in the physical 
And we don't realize, hang on, what's the spiritual weapons? This is actually a spiritual war. And I love this scripture in Ephesians 6 verse 12, which you may know. It goes like this. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world, and against huge numbers of wicked spirits, in the spirit world. It sounds like a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? But there's good news coming, so stick with me. But that, uh, that word ruler, if we think about it, it intimates structure. It's well organized. There's descending orders of authority. The devil really doesn't want you to win. He wants you to keep bound because he knows that the greatest power on this earth is a Christian, a lover of Jesus, who knows their authority in him We can defeat anyone and anything, any spirit. So we have an enemy that is strategic, he's well organised, and we see that it's not a physical war, it's a spiritual war, even though we may see physical outworkings of that in the natural, but it is a spiritual war. And 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5 confirms this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. You know, Paul, who wrote this epistle, he's, he's recognising, yep, we live in a physical body. I know that we do. But this war that we fight is a spiritual one. So you need spiritual weapons. We're not going to be able to use guns. We're not going to be able to use missiles. We're not going to be able to use physical human effort We need spiritual tools to fight a spiritual war and thank the Lord that through his word, he shows us what they are and I'm going to share some of that with you today. So we know that it's a spiritual war. Where's the battlefield is the next thing. Where are we fighting this spiritual war? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. This is what it says, casting down imaginations And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I find it interesting that Paul uses various words in this scripture. He says imaginations, knowledge, thought. Uh, If you actually look at a few different translations in scripture, you see imaginations, reasonings, speculations, arguments, knowledge and thought. And you know what's interesting is that that is all in the same realm. It's the realm of the mind. It's all in here. So where's this fight? It's in the battlefield of the mind. The enemy uses your mind to try to win the war. Maybe that's through anxiety, depression, uh, the way that you think. Maybe it's um, feeling like you're not good enough. Maybe you're accusing yourself internally. You know, I heard somebody once say, if we spoke to others the way we speak internally to ourselves, we probably wouldn't have any friends. (laughs) And so often those things, the enemy's using that low level, what we don't recognise, to win the war in the battleground of our mind. Because the enemy knows that if you are liberated in your mind, you can do anything. And I, in the name of Jesus, say to you today, you're going to be liberated in your mind to a new 
level. You don't need to be a baby Christian to have a battlefield in the mind. This is ongoing warfare. And we are going to see people delivered today. I really believe that with all my heart. So what is the key then to Satan's defeat if there is a battlefield in the mind? Well, we see this in Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15. Let me read it to you. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that were against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Amen. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing triumphing over them by the cross. The key to overcoming the enemy is having a revelation that Jesus has already won. And you know, Satan will do everything that he can to make you not have a revelation of that truth, to feel like this is a battle that I've got to fight to win we're not actually fighting a battle to win. We're fighting to stand for the ground that the Lord has already won for us. It's a whole different way of fighting. And if the enemy can stop you from knowing that truth, you'll live in bondage. I'll live in bondage. And so the key to Satan's defeat is having this revelation that when Jesus died on the cross, amen, he set us free and I love that. And I just declare freedom over you today, right now, in the name of Jesus. All right, let's go to the weapons of the enemy. So what are his weapons? We talk a lot about our weapons, and we're going to do a little bit more about that later on in this message. But what are the weapons that the enemy uses? Well, we see this in Revelations 12, verse 10. And uh, John is talking about a vision that he's having of what's to come. And he says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, and so on. We're going to go to the end of that scripture that says, For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. The enemy is often called the accuser. The accuser of the brethren. So what happens when he accuses us? When he reminds you of your faults, he reminds you of things or he twists something that's happened, you feel guilty. You start to feel guilt. And when we feel guilty, we feel like we don't deserve it. If we feel like we don't deserve it, we don't defeat him. We believe the lies that he says about us. But how does Jesus deal with the guilt that the enemy, the accusations that the enemy tries to throw at you? Well, we see this in Colossians 2 verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ and forgave all your sins. He forgave us. He forgives us. And if we keep reading, we go to Colossians 2 14. What does he do? He cancels the written code. Amen. He gets rid of the regulations. He gets rid of that. Well, this is what the rules say, so you're out. We don't live that kind of life anymore. He says that he's, he cancels the written code that was against us and that stood opposed to us and took it away, nailing it to 
the cross. And then if we keep reading, we get to verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Satan's whole evil kingdom, not just a little bit, the whole lot, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let's think about that word triumph for a moment. What is triumph? We see that a little bit through passages of scripture in the New Testament. You know, a triumph is not actually winning a victory. A triumph is the celebration and demonstration of a victory that's already been won. Amen? It's already been won. We see this word again in 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. I get excited as I read that because I love that that scripture says always and in every place, the sweet aroma and knowledge of him in every place. That means there's no time in history, there's past, present, future, there's no place on earth where this triumph does not exist. How often have you had something happen in your life and you've gone, I just want to run away. I mean, look, I'll be honest, the last three years, I thought of, I looked up houses to buy in Queensland. I'm not joking. But every time the Lord was like, hold your ground, hold your ground. You can't run away because the triumph is everywhere. It might be a little bit harder in some places, but that's why you're where you are right now. And I actually felt as I was dwelling on this scripture over the week, the Lord actually interrupted my thoughts. And he said, tell my people hold your ground, hold your ground, that there were going to be people here where you're just really like, I feel like I just need to move. I'm not talking moving churches, moving places, like having a radical shift or a radical change in your life. For some of you, the Lord is calling you to those things and that's him. You just seek him and ask him what he thinks about that. But for many, I felt the Lord just say, say strongly to my people, hold your ground. You will see the triumph that I have promised you and it will come. It will come swiftly. And I also felt like the Lord said to me, there's many people that are going to hear this word today and you've dismissed yourself from having the benefits of this triumph because of something you've done in the past or the way that your life is going, the way that things are. And the Lord wants to encourage you today that this triumph is triumph is for you. This triumph is for you and that you don't have to dismiss yourself The accuser of the brethren has been in your ear and he has made you think certain ways about yourself that are not the truth. And the Lord wants you to know today that all his gifts are perfect and good and he wants them for you. He wants to see you live in victory. Amen. So let's summarize where we are so far because I know I'm giving you a lot of information today. So we've talked about a spiritual war that requires spiritual weapons. There's a battlefield that's in your mind, and the tools the enemy uses are accusation and guilt. Now, let's go to the weapons that the Lord has given us. Now, when we look at Ephesians 6, we see the, the, the way that uh, Paul has written about the armour of God. We're not going to talk too much about that today because that could be a whole message in itself. I'm going to quickly summarise it. But there are offensive and defensive weapons that the Lord has given you. The armour of God is your defensive weapons. He gives you something that protects you. 
But then he also gives you tools in your belt. Amen? And so he uses this amazing illustration, if you don't know that scripture, and he uses a, a, a Roman soldier of his day, the, the, the way that the armour looked, and he explains them and connects them to uh, gifts and, and uh, what, you know, what's happening in the spirit. So he talks about the belt of truth, which is living in the truth of God's word. I also think it means living authentically, just being you the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, which protects your heart, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel, that's always being ready with the word, in and out of season. You can just call it up. It just comes out of your mouth. The shield of faith. The beautiful thing about the shield of faith is it wasn't one of those little shields he's talking about. He's talking about the ones that look like a door. And the thing that's awesome about those shields is it not only protects you, but it protects everything around you. And I believe that that was significant because what Paul was saying there is this protects not just you, the shield of faith, but your family, anyone that's connected to you, anyone that's around you. And then you have the helmet of salvation. That's hope, having the hope in your mind that all things will work together for good. And then the sword of the spirit, which as you would know, is the word of God. So I'm not going to concentrate on that today, but you, just to give you a setup, I want to talk about the weapons in the toolbox. So let's go um, to slide 14. We're going to skip a slide here. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, where we talked about the weapons uh, of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal. They're not bombs. They're not planes. They're not tanks. They're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And you know, we talked about Satan at the beginning had this chain of command, a well-organized spiritual system, but there's a way to destroy them. The fortresses of Satan can only be destroyed by those spiritual weapons. What are they? I'm going to share three of them today. Prayer, praise, and preaching and declaring the word. And I want to share some personal stories around those three. Prayer, praise, and preaching the word. Let's go to Ephesians 6.18 and talk about prayer. He says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of of prayers and requests. I love that scripture because you can't sort of go, I'm only going to pray a liturgical prayer or I'm only going to speak in tongues or I only do it on a Sunday morning. It's like he's going everywhere, all the time, every single way you can think of, pray, pray, pray. And I actually love that right there in that scripture, Paul moves from that defensive armour to the offensive. He's like, right, you're protected. Now, let's get these weapons happening. So what is prayer like? Prayer is like a missile. It can go to places that you can't go. It can do things that you can't do with your physical hands. I want to share a story with you of this happening to me only just a few weeks ago, and it was so cool. So um, about six weeks ago, I had this dream and in the dream I saw somebody who I hadn't seen for 15 years who I don't really know very well. He's a record label executive in another part of the world. You would know this record label if you're into to worship music. 
I don't know why I was having this dream. I almost dismissed it, but I had a dream of this guy. And in the dream, I saw him standing in another part of the world looking at a building. And I could see the building. It was on a corner. It had red bricks. It had black, like it was really specific, black windows. And he was there looking at this building going, do I buy this building and do I start a new label? And I was really specific. And then the next scene of the dream is me saying to him, how's it going? And he says to me, now this guy's not South African, but in the dream he has a South African accent. And he says, Roma, I can't see. I literally can't see. And then I woke up. Now, I'm the kind of person that dreams all the time. That's the primary way the Lord speaks to me. I'm pretty sure it's because he can't get a word in during the day. That's why I think it happens. So don't think it's fantastical. It's the honest truth. I think that's why. Because I'm Italian and I have a higher word quotient than most people, right? So I'm like, okay, this has got to be the Lord because it's so specific. And at that moment, I almost dismissed it. But I thought, I'm going to actually do something about this. Now, I don't have any contact with this guy. I don't know him. I don't have any connection to him. But I happened to follow his wife on Instagram. This is so funny. This is the modern day world, right? And she doesn't know me really. She's a wellness coach or something. I just really follow her because I just like her tips, right? So I sent her an Instagram message going, I know this is really weird, but I had a dream about you guys. Would you mind if I shared it with you? And she wrote back going, yes, please, yes, please. So I send some messages and I go, I had this dream. Uh, It was a new record label. You're in another part of the world. And then he speaks in a South African accent. And I believe it to mean that there's somebody you're connected to that is South African. And I think it's a warning not to be involved with this person. But if you needed any affirmation or confirmation that this was from the Lord in terms of setting up this new thing, I think the Lord wants you to to know that. So this girl sends me a voice message back in tears. And she says to me, Roma, you have no idea what this means. This is exactly what's happening now. And just last night, a South African investor asked to invest into this and it would be like a dream I know your face is exactly how I feel on the inside and and then she said and the coolest part was Roma we were praying and praying and praying and eventually last night we said Lord can you just give somebody a dream that can give us the answer I mean even I'm like just like what God is amazing (laughs) this is awesome that's the power of prayer The power of the missile going to a place on the other side of the world. And this girl even said to me, I am amazed that someone that doesn't even know us, thousands of miles away, the Lord is using that, used me. And I felt so privileged to be a part of that story. And now being part of the ongoing story because there was there's more to it, which I'll share another time. But I'm just so excited about that. So prayer goes where a sword and a shield cannot go. That sword and that shield are in your hand and it's for ongoing attack that's around you. But prayer is the missile in your mouth. And so pray, 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 my friends. Release the prophetic decrees of the Lord through your prayers and watch what he will do. All right, we've talked about praise. A prayer is a weapon. Let's talk about praise. So we know, obviously, You're all people that love Jesus here, I'm sure. And you're like, 
I know that praising Jesus is awesome, but what is actually happening when you praise? It's so powerful, and there's more to it than just giving him honour. There's actually something, there's a spiritual um, principle that is taking place as we praise the Lord. And I want to share this scripture that gives an idea of it. It's in Matthew 21, verses 15 to 16. And it's where Jesus is actually, he's, he's in the temple and he's performing miracles. And um, you'd think that people would be excited about that. But this is what happened. Let me read it to you. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David... They became indignant. And verse 16, and he said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, thou hast prepared praise for thyself. Okay, what does this mean? Well, Jesus is actually quoting something from the Psalms. He's quoting Psalm 8 verse 2, but he actually changes the, in, in, the intimation of that Psalm a little bit. He adds, he kind of adds his own commentary, right, which he can, he's allowed to do that. He's Jesus, right? But he adds his own comments. So if we go to Psalm 8 verse 2, this is what it says. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. So he doesn't say praise, he says strength. So what Jesus is doing, because he knew that the people in the temple would have known that psalm, he's actually connecting praise with strength. Wow. And so what he's revealing is that the strength of God's people, the way that you become strong is to praise him. You know, I loved the worship this morning. I'm sure you did too. Absolutely beautiful and anointed. You actually don't need a 10-piece band for the anointing to come. It was just so, I could have been there all day. So well done, worship team. It was just stunning to, to be a part of that. But that's not, worship's not the setup for the preaching, you know? It's actually, there's a spiritual principle that as you worship him, you're aligning yourself back into who God is. You're strengthening yourself with the anointing that is flowing. Well, we hope that that's what happens, and it definitely did happen today. And we experience the Lord in new ways. It's like waves. That's what I feel like worship is. Worship is like a wave that just washes over you, and you just feel and experience the Lord, and it strengthens you. And you know what else I love about this scripture? You know, in both of those, in Psalm 8 and also in Matthew 21, it says, out of the mouth of babes, from the mouths of babes. The mouth, again, is the primary way that we release spiritual weapons. You have a weapon in your mouth. And I'll say it again. You have a missile in your mouth. And as you praise him, you will feel strengthened by who he is. I love that. And I also love that it said, out of the, the mouths of infants and babes, because I want to tell you today, you don't need to be a baby to not have strength. Life can knock it out of you. Life can make things difficult, hey? But even if you feel tired today, if you feel worn out, I want to encourage you to praise him. Put worship music on in your car. Put worship music on in the house. You know, days when I'm having like times where I'm like, 
things are a little tough, I just put worship on non-stop. I just have it in the background. I'll put YouTube on, you know, constant, constant worship. There was a song, you know, my youngest son is 11 years old now, but I was, if you don't know my story, I was told I couldn't have any children. And I have two kids now. And uh, I was told that I had a 99% chance of not falling pregnant with fertility treatment. That's what I was told. So take that devil because I have two awesome kids who are amazing. But (laughs) I remember during that time, you know, I'm not going to say it was easy. You might look at me now and go, wow, she's full of faith, but it's different for me. I want to tell you, there were times when I threw the, I even threw the Bible across the room. I was angry. I was upset because I was reading the opposite from the scriptures of what my life was like. Have you ever felt like that? And you're just like, God, what's going on? So I had my days, and I have my days, if the honest truth, and the belt of truth is living authentically. It's actually okay. God can handle you going, I'm not having a good day today, (laughs) right? But I remember during that time, there was a song that had just come out. You might have known it. It goes, I believe you're my healer. I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. That song, I must have played it hours a day. I'm not joking. I would just press repeat and I just kept singing those words and singing those words until it became a reality in my life, until I was strengthened. And so keep praising him. You know, um, I wanted to share a story. As I was putting this together, I remembered a story uh, of my beautiful friend, Vicky, who's a pastor here in Melbourne. But she'd done a missions trip to Africa. And uh, this is about 10 years ago now. And they were playing the Jesus movie to people that didn't know Jesus. And they were standing behind the screen praying before the movie started. And then as the movie started, they were interceding and speaking in tongues because they could really feel a spiritual battle going on. And in fact, the witch doctor of the town was not happy that they were there. This is a real story, guys. Like this, like my friend, this is my friend. You know how you go, I heard this story. This is actually my friend. Anyway, she said, to me they were standing in a circle behind the screen as the movie was going on and this witch doctor came down and started cursing them and as he started to curse them certain people in the circle started vomiting and feeling really sick and collapsing on the ground this is how real the spiritual war was right and she started to recognize it and she started to feel sick too she was like I actually feel really sick and she recognized what was going on and she said to everyone we need to just praise the Lord just put your hands up turn your back from this guy and start to worship him. And so they just started worshiping the Lord, speaking in tongues, praise, 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 until they felt strengthened in the Lord. They felt strengthened to the point where the witch doctor couldn't handle it anymore and he left. He actually left because he could see that he had no power. Praise is a weapon. And as we worship him and as we come intentionally to church on time, like I actually love being on time for church because I do not want to miss that moment of strength coming to me as I worship him. You're all laughing because for those of you who have been in church a long time, I mean, I'm a worship leader. Like when I, when I, when I was leading, I was a worship pastor once, the people would come in like half an hour and I'd be like, why aren't you here at the beginning? God's amazing. So I would just close my eyes and just imagine that 
everybody was there until eventually it happened because that's the faith part. But praising him has so much power, amen. The double-edged sword will pierce the darkness. I feel like that represents the word of God and praising him and coming out of your mouth. Let's read Psalm 149 verses 6 to 9. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. The, the Lord knows that when you've got those two things together, you are undefeatable. Is that even a word? I don't know, but I've just turned it into one. All right, so we've talked about prayer. We've talked about praise. Now, preaching and declaring and speaking the word is the next thing I want to share. You know, prayer and praise go together, but the other thing that goes with those things is the Word of God. That makes sense, right? And there's many scriptures about the power of releasing and decreeing and declaring the Word of God. What does the Word of God do? Well, I know we inherently know this, but I want to show you some scriptures to encourage you. Isaiah 55 verse 11, God says, So my word that goes out of my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve for the purpose in which I sent it. Jeremiah 23 verse 29, God says this, Is not my word like fire? declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts, we're going back to the battleground, and attitudes of the heart. So this is what we see. If we put just those three scriptures together, we see the word of God is like fire. It can break things like a hammer into pieces. It's alive. It's sharp. It penetrates. It goes right to the heart. Amen. Now, how cool is this? Keeping all of that in mind, I get excited when I read this next story. What happened when the word of God was preached in the book of Acts, when Peter is preaching the word? Let's look at Acts verse 19. So, um, it actually says, sorry, talking about Paul, as Paul preached, what firstly happened in verse 11, he said, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. That is what is going to happen today, my friends. Miracles take place when we preach the word of God. Can you imagine, right? Think about this for a moment. Can you imagine that you just opening your mouth and decreeing the word and having the word on your lips ready to go in and out of season? So something springs up and you're just like, nope, I've got a scripture for that and I can just use it as a weapon of war. Can you imagine that if you did that, it affected your city or it affected the suburb here? It affected a nation can I just tell you, that's not made up. There's a story right here where this happens. So let me continue reading. Acts 19, we're going to read from 17 to 19. So they're talking about when a man who had an evil spirit has it cast out of him and everybody sees that. When this incident happens and becomes known to the Jews and the Greeks, 
everybody living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burnt them publicly When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. Now, side note, 50,000 drachmas today is about four and a half million dollars. Could you imagine preaching the word of God and people burning all their stuff that didn't honour Jesus? Decrees, governmental laws... The rules of the book that don't align with who Jesus is, burning it no matter how much it costs. Now, how is this connected to preaching? Well, we see that this happened as a direct result of preaching. This is Paul speaking in Acts 20 to 25 to 27. He says this, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. He preached the gospel wherever he was. He told people about the good news wherever he was. It took him two years of doing this before he saw this happened, but he kept speaking. He kept declaring. And you know what? We have to do the same. Even if you're not seeing the results that you had hoped, I am telling you it will not return void. Keep decreeing. Keep declaring who Jesus is. Keep saying those words that come up in your spirit. To do that, you have to know the word of God. You have to know it like it's just a part of you. But this is why you're hearing the word. This is why I'm here. This is why I felt to preach the word today and just go, you know, like I'm a prophet. I know you'll see me as a prophet and all I want to do is have the experience and prophesy. I love that and we'll do some of that today. But if it's not, if the word is not a part of it, do you know what I mean? Like we need to know what the Bible says about this war that we're in. And I'm so thankful that we're in a church where the word is preached everywhere you know I mean Pastor Corey's just such a blessing isn't he just to the word just pours out of him and every leader that's in our church I love it I was hearing I was laughing when we were in prayer today because I was like Candy's just taking my whole message (laughs) so wonderful so it's ready and it's on our lips lips so prayer praise and preaching the words all right now I want to just summarize very quickly what we just talked about, and then we're going to have some ministry time. So this is a spiritual war that requires spiritual weapons. The battlefield is our mind. The battle tools the enemy uses are accusation and guilt. Be gone in the name of Jesus. He has triumphed everywhere. That includes the mind. And your weapons of war are praise, prayer, prayer and preaching the word. In a moment, I would love anyone who really just needs a fresh commitment to all of those things I talked about to come as an act of faith, just to come up the front, we're going to pray together. You know, I actually really believe that when we talk about these things, not only is there um, a 
a, a, a re-awareness and a revision that takes place, but I actually think deliverance takes place. Like no demon can stand against a person who has prayer, praise and preaching on their lips. And I just think for too long we've let that low-level warfare rule our lives. And I'm putting my hand up for that as well. And I'm saying, Lord, afresh, I just put my hands up and I say, use me, Lord. I repent, Lord. I do not listen to the accusations of the enemy any longer. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.